0: Story Time. I'm Cherie Hardy, and I'm going to continue reading M.C. Higgins the Great. This book was written by Virginia Hamilton. I'll start with page 20. If you have the book, you can follow along with me. If you don't, it's quite okay. Get in a very comfortable place and get relaxed and listen quietly to M.C. Higgins the Great. Ben must have been standing as still as some light-colored tree trunk with eyes. M.C. had to smile. Wouldn't have hurt you, he called. When he could no longer hear any sound of her running, he continued on, trying to picture what the girl had looked like. She wasn't tall that he could remember. But he was left with no general impression. Just her eyes, M.C. thought, dark and slanty, looking old. He felt more than a momentary interest in her, but not much of an image of her on which to play his curiosity. In his rush to get home, he let her slip away out of his thoughts. Just some stranger. It was probably eight o'clock by now. The dude would have to be on his way. The path dipped off the plateau and ended at what had once been a wagon road bed reaching all the way around the base of Sarah's mountain, to its far side. Where M.C. came off the plateau, it was a gully formed in years past by rainwater running off the mountain into wagon ruts. It was a bone-dry, barren place edged with trees. M.C. stood feeling heat rise from the bald earth of the gully. He looked in back of him up to the plateau. He knew Ben had stopped there and was running around now, ready to trot home. See you, Ben, he said to himself, then answered in his thoughts, see you. M.C. turned back to the gully again and walked a third of the way into it. To his right was Sarah's mountain, a great swell of earth rising to outline the sky. Her growth of trees was washed light green by morning sun and mist. Halfway up was the ledge of rock. The outcropping on which MC lived with the rest of his family. The whole outcropping was partially hidden by trees. Only one who knew where to look would see a house at all. Near the house something was shining. Then MC caught a blinding gleam right in the eyes. He smiled, clambering over the lip of the gully and onto a path that rose steeply up the face of the mountain. Holding on to tree trunks and branches When he had to, he picked and sometimes nearly clawed his way. There was an easier path beginning farther along the lip of the gully, but M.C. was in too much of a hurry to take it. He panted and grunted with the effort of his climb. He paused to look up and was rewarded by a sharp flash of light. I got a ticket to ride, he gasped. I got a ticket to ride. The path veered closer to the outcropping where there was undergrowth of sweet briar. It cut through the tangled, prickly mass of the briar and brought M.C. out onto the outcropping. The ledge he stood on was like a huge half circle of rock sticking out of the mountain. Behind it, the mountain rose another 300 feet to the summit. Up there, just below the summit, was a gash like a road all the way across. It had a 70-foot vertical wall made by bulldozers hauling out tons of soil to get at the coal seam. And up there was something like an enormous black boil of uprooted trees and earth plastered together by rain, by all kinds of weather. Some internal balance kept the thing hanging suspended on the mountainside. Far above the outcropping in a half-congealed spoil heap bigger than MC's house, at home, finally, he saw that the house was shut tight, his mother his father both gone to work, the kids on their way to swim. One side of the house to the rear was smack up against the mountain where the ledge curved around it. On the other side of the house was a great arbor. the expanse of yard and MC's prize like no other. It was always his shining beacon. Pretty thing, you. He had won it, practicing on the Ohio River testing his strength against strong currents every day for weeks. He had known when he was ready. I wasn't scared. I did it, and I never want to do it again. I won't ever have to. Jones said, name what you want real quick, and I saw it just as clear. All over town in Harrington, front of the post office, the police station, his prize was a pole. It was 40 feet of glistening, glistening cold steel, the best kind of ride. MC gazed at its sparkling height. There was a bicycle seat fixed at the top. He had put it there himself and had attached pedals and two tricycle wheels below it on either side. He didn't know how his father had got the pole without money. Jones had let him deep, let him deep foot the pole, in the midst of the piles of junk in their yard. There were automobile tires, fenders, car bodies that Jones had dragged up the mountain over the years. But Jones had long since forgotten about putting together a working car. Wonder why he won't ever throw away that junk, MC thought. How'd he get the pole? Probably the same way he got the junk. Maybe he just took it. Maybe it had been abandoned, like the cars, or perhaps... It had been given to Jones out of the rolling mill in the steel yard at Harrington. Ten feet too tall, it could have a flaw somewhere, a weak structure from the uneven firing. Looks just fine from here, MC thought. He stood there studying his pole, admiring its black and blue tint in the sun. It was the one thing that could make him feel peaceful inside every time he saw it. Gingerly, MC climbed up on the car trunk. He leaned over and gripped the pole. Let's go for a ride. He dried his sweating palms on his shirt. Then he jumped off the pile and twisting his legs around, he climbed the slippery, smooth steel the way only he knew how. Chapter Two. Ever so gently, MC leaned his body forward on the steel pole. He pushed his feet on the pedals. The wheels spun around. The pole swung forward in a slow, sweeping arc. Beyond the hills, he caught glimpses of the Ohio River. Its sheet metal brightness rushed to greet him, and he had the sensation he was falling free. Into the river. Bounce off the hills into the silver water. When the pole reached the outer limit of its arc, it swung back. Blue sky rolled over MC's vision as if someone had pulled down a bright window blind. Back and forth the pole swept until his head felt as light as a floating ball. The sensation was pleasant until he began to feel sick. Going to lose my balance up here. He stopped pedaling. The wheels stopped spinning. He held himself utterly still until the pole shuddered and did not move again. Forty feet up, he was truly higher than everything on the outcropping, higher than the house, and higher than the trees. Straight up from Sarah's Mountain, he could see everything in a spectacular view. He occasionally saw people clearly walking the hill path nine miles away, thinking they were absolutely alone. They had no inkling. His eyes were upon them. I'm all alone, MC thought. The house was shut tight. In the morning sun, the whole place appeared to have been abandoned. And for a fleeting moment, he pretended Mama and Daddy in the ground, he told himself, dead a long time. That's not so bad. They lived to be a hundred to a hundred years old. The kids grown old, too, and died. I lived longer than each of them. I'm old now, but I can still get around. Never did leave the mountain. None of the others did either, but buried here ghosts just like great-grandmother Sarah and the other old ones who really did pass away long ago. MC shuddered at the thought of all the dead on the mountain under the junk around his pole. Effortlessly his mind brought Sarah back to life. There she was hurrying over the last hill facing the mountain. She always glanced behind her, never trusting the empty trail as she raced ahead carrying something. MC knew the story by heart. He knew she ran for freedom. She carried a baby. Concealed by the hill haze, she had been hiding for two days before she knew what lay ahead of her. What it was hadn't revealed itself until the third day. On that dawning, sunshine broke through veiled mist. Cautiously, Miss Sarah crept from her hiding place, looking around, MC thought, real hungry. Hold the baby tight to search for food. She started out again northward. It was then she saw it. It climbed the sky up and up, swelling green and gorgeous, huge mountain. As if in a trance, MC gazed out over the rolling hills. All right, boys and girls, I am going to stop there. That was the beginning of chapter two and the last part of chapter one of MC. C. Higgins the Great, written by Virginia Hamilton in 1974. I hope you're enjoying this story and I will continue to read. Just keep listening. Have a great day, boys and girls. Take care.